in-person events are back on the table. Yes. After being apart from each other during the pandemic, people are looking for human connections to meet colleagues, friends, and customers. The problem with in-person events like conferences is that they're expensive. You'd have to buy flights, hotels, and meals for your team, plus the tickets. So to get the most bang for your buck is top of mind for a lot of marketing teams. That's where Stuart Hillhouse, head of content at Mutiny, got the brilliant idea to make the most of having subject matter experts in the same room. He started interviewing them and posting up short clips on LinkedIn. He saw engagement of these types of content perform well, so much so that he started doing it for all the events he goes with the Mutiny team. Today, he shares his conference content playbook. In this Marketing Pops episode, you learn first how Stuart creates content during in-person events, second, equipment that he records with, third, how he distributes the content to get the most reach, and number four, a career power-up that's helped accelerate his career. Before we jump in, I created a free power-up cheat sheet to help you apply Stuart Hill House Conference Content Playbook. You can grab that at marketingpowerups.com or find it in the description or show notes or somewhere on the screen. Ready? Let's go. Marketing Power-Ups. Ready? Go! Here's your host, Bradley John. But how are you thinking about content strategy or content, I guess, mix <laughs> so to speak immunity like uh how are you how are you thinking about that 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 mix of like short form videos interview and then there's blog and then there's playbooks and other things one thing that i have been trying to 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 apply is um your is strategy is like a very loaded word it's mm. it no yes. one really knows what it means <laughs> it's, pre- it's pretty mushy it's amorphous it's it's but it's also like super important and so I was always, you know, freaking out. I'm like, I don't, like, what does, what is a strategy? Like, how, how much detail do I need to go into? What do I need to talk about? What, how is this important? And it was simplified to be by Ryan, um, the head of marketing at Mutiny. And he said, like, stop thinking about strategy. Start thinking about, like, what is the point of view? Like, your strategy is your point of view and your hypothesis of what you want to do that will uh, help you accomplish the goal. And so that, like, made it much simpler when you're thinking about your content is like, what is our point of view on content and how it's going to be shown to our audience and will turn into leads and sales calls down the, down the funnel. Right. And that, that made it so much simpler for me. I'm like, okay, well, what's my point of view? My point of view is based on to to get, to find my point of view, I essentially went through a checklist of like, what is what does my content consumption habits look like? And then I chatted with other people who are in our ideal customer persona. I'm like, what does your media and content consumption habits look like? And so when I was thinking about it for myself, I'm like, I really now consume more video, short form video, and sometime long form video. I'm talking like 10 to 15, like, you know, four to 15 minutes. Let's say that is like, you know, medium, medium length video. Um, and sometimes I'll click into a blog, but I'm not clicking into the blog to read every word. I'm kind of like skimming it to see if there's any cool pictures or like interesting call outs and, you know, summaries and stuff like that. I'm also reading, you know, sometimes thread style, like longer micro blog style, like, you know, two, 300 words, very choppy and quick hit. 
very few long form reading going on mm. in my life now. Same. And I, I was hearing similar things. You, you know, you're laughing. Does yours sound pretty similar to that? It is. It is exactly. You're like exactly what you say. More videos, short form, YouTube. Uh, rather than reading blogs and blogs, I'll, I'll just be skimming through the headings. You know, it's <laughs> yeah. just helpful for me. Yeah, exactly. Um, so it was that sort of like realization that I helped inform our strategy. Again, it's like, what is the point of view? So our new point of view is like everyone, or no, not everyone, but the people we want to reach, we want to reach them in a way uh, that is convenient, but is not um, empty calories. We don't want it to be just in your feed for the sake of being in your feed with bubblegum fluff. We want it to be like nuggets of, of smartness wrapped in something that's convenient to you so that you can like consume it on your own time and give away all of our best ideas so that it's not like a click through, uh, you know, our friend Amanda Natividad has kind of coined zero click content like you just give all of the all of the information up front you're not trying to clickbait them and say i you know check out the you know full post over here um you know i do that tactic but i give away 80 percent of the ideas within the social post or the newsletter or whatever we're trying to do so that's sort of the the high level strategy is is like create content in the format that like i would want to to read um, and so that's sort of how, how I've adjusted my point of view away from more traditional SEO style, long form written blog posts that live on your website. And your whole point is to try and get people to your website. Um, now I'm trying to think about how can I get my idea out there and in the minds of as many people as possible of our ICP, um, and not necessarily need it to be a, a direct line, uh, to, website traffic even though we have website traffic goals i want the mess the messaging like changing people's minds is more important in my opinion because it allows us to spread our message especially in a time right now where maybe you know it's a really tough market out there a lot of people who fall in your icp are probably not ready to buy for one reason or another they might not have budget their team might have been reduced they are probably just struggling to hit their own numbers. They're not looking to bring on any new technology. And so it's not necessarily about like getting the deal right now. It's about building the relationship so that when the market turns and when cash is abundant and when growth is on people's minds, we'll be like first in line for like, oh, I need that tool. I've been reading their shit for two years. I'm ready to buy now. I want to double click on what you said that you, you we, it's around what we just said earlier around it's creating attention easy if you have that, you know, mass appeal, which often feels like you call it bubble gum, <laughs> bubble gum fluff, you know, like I think that's and providing that wisdom is super important in changing the mindset you just talked a little bit about is uh, really, really important there. Um, and I guess I, I guess where I'm, I'm trying to get into one of the pieces that I really love that you're doing that I actually haven't seen as much in I haven't seen any other B2B company do this, which is like I totally love you're doing like interview style where you're holding a mic, you're in person. And then there's the, the is it that raccoon? It's the mutiny raccoon yep. logo. There's one where you're interviewing Colin White uh, from Clearbit. 
and you're talking about effective growth, what does that mean? Such great, it's short, less than a minute, vertical video, very high level. You're giving gold nuggets of wisdom. I'm curious how that, that got started. Like what is, I mean, you have, you, you have this hypothesis that you're talking about now. I want to, you want to create content and how you consume it and how your, your potential customers at Mutiny consume it, consumes it. How did it go from there to like, let's go to events, have this mic with this logo, event, uh, interview them, and then post it up as vertical videos. Yeah. So once we had that point of view and the strategy, I was like, okay, well, how do we capture content? Um, particularly, then we kind of looked at each like format. It's like, okay, we have, we have an engine for generating written stuff. Uh, these are our playbooks where we interview um, B2B marketers, like practitioners, and then they present like a, a win that they've had, like a conversion win that they've had. And they go through all the levels of like, you know, here is our hypothesis. Here was the challenge we were trying to overcome. Here were the, here are the steps we took and here's a solution. And so that sort of filled the gap of like written stuff. It's like, we've got these good, these good written formats and we sprinkle in the occasional blog posts. That's just, you know, classic how-to content and like, you know, some thought leadership and stuff like that. Then I was like, okay, but like, how do we get some video that is differentiated and not just recordings of like zoom calls or like podcast style stuff. Nothing against that. I was just like not interested in doing it. Um, and so I was like, well, I'm going to a conference, you know, next month. Um, that's, that's part of my role anyways. So why don't I just like buy a microphone? Cause I've been seeing other, uh, you know, if you go on yeah. TikTok, TikTok or, or reels YouTube or YouTube yeah. shorts. Yeah. This is a very popular format yes. yeah. where you've got the, the person on the street sort of style interviews. And so I was like, okay, let me just try that. Like, I haven't seen that at an at a event. I've seen very produced event content where people like hire a camera crew and sit people down in a corner and do 45 minute long podcast interviews at events. I'm not interested in that. I want to see if I can just take my iPhone and this little mic and see if I can film five or 10 conversations at this conference. And so the first conference I went to, I was totally underprepared. I just had my mic. I'd never done this before. And so the first person I like tapped on, I was like, hey, can I like chat with you for a few minutes and film it? And they're like, yeah, okay. And so like, I didn't have a good script. I didn't have a good plan going in. And the, I started asking these podcast style questions where I was like, tell me about, you know, a challenge that you had. And, and I got, tried to get really in depth with them. But keep in mind, like we're on the trade show floor. There's people walking in front of the camera. There's like, they're distracted. They're trying, they're seeing prospects at their booth and they're like, oh man, I should really be talking to the prospects, not this interview kid. <laughs> um, you know, so there was a lot of like variables that is different than this style of conversation where you and I booked this in the calendar. We're talking for an hour. Like we know what's going on. And so I learned a lot from that. So the interview, you know, ended up being two or three minutes and it kind of danced around. And I tried to make it conversational, but then the footage at the end, I went to go look at it and, you know, send it to the editor and it didn't, it just wasn't great because it was too, it, it, the questions didn't match the format I was trying to go after because the finished product is 30 seconds to 60 seconds, soundbite, right. interesting, visual, one, one thing, like one takeaway. Uh, and the raw material the raw footage that i was trying to to make was like three minutes of a lull of a conversation that meandered and had a whole bunch of topics that we'd covered on and wasn't tight 
And so it didn't make for like, it didn't, it didn't work out as, as source material for that format. So then the next conference I went to, I asked like one question repeatedly right. to four Smart. or five different yeah. people yeah. and got different answers. Um, and that was a better use of my time. But then all of a sudden when I was posting them on LinkedIn, I was like, oh, well, this is probably kind of annoying for like the audience where it's like they see the same thing three times in one week. Okay, so now I'm sort of like, you know, refining it every every conference I go to. And now I've started to kind of become known at conferences where people are like, oh, I've seen the video. Like, is that the mic? Um, and so that's kind of cool where people are actually right. wanting to like chat. And yeah. Um, <clears throat> yeah, it's kind of evolved that way. But honestly, it, was, it, it felt like sort of a, just an aha moment where I'm like, why? I'm at these conferences anyways. Why wouldn't I just film something? Super low stakes, super cheap. And then, you know, the secret is sort of in making the editing look good and, you know, distributing it in any way. So I'm still like getting better at the distribution and figuring out how to get it out there. Um, but I just saw this format as something that smart that a lot of independent creators were doing. And I'm like, what would a what would one of those look like at a B2B event? And yeah, it's been it's been fun and just you need to have the personality of someone who is okay going up to people at a conference and nervously asking them to do an interview, but you kind of build that skin after a while and, and it becomes more comfortable after a while. Before I continue, I want to thank the sponsor for this episode, 42 Agency. Now, when you're in scale-up growth mode and you have to hit your KPIs, the pressure is on to deliver demos and signups, and it's a lot to handle. There's demand gen, email sequences, rev ops, and more. And that's where 42 Agency, founded by my good friend, Camille Rexton, can help you. They're a strategic partner that's helped B2B SaaS companies like ProfitWall, Teamwork, Sprout Social, and HubDoc to build a predictable revenue engine. If you're looking for performance experts and creatives to solve your marketing growth problems today and help you build the foundation for the future, look no further. Visit 42agency.com to talk to a strategist right now to learn how you can build a high-efficiency revenue engine. I love this so much. It's inspired by like what... YouTubers and consumer consumer side is doing. I think the one that I recall that's very similar format is like this guy interviewing people who have like really expensive cars and they ask yeah. them, what do you do? And how did you get here to buy this? I don't know, 500 grand Lamborghini. And yeah. this yeah. is such a great example of taking inspirations. I, I guess what I'm trying to get at is like often we see the same thing in B2B where like every another B2B is inspired by another B2B company and they all we're end up all doing the same thing. And what you've done really well is like, hey, I'm gonna be inspired by something outside of B2B, at least what YouTubers are doing or reels or TikTokers, and I'm gonna bring this into this space and very unique. And it's easy to, you know, people you said people now know you for being this guy. <laughs> They're really uh, people do people do people actually come up to you and be like, "Oh, you're that guy that does this." Uh, yeah, sometimes. I mean, it's it's a little bit more like they. I, I've also, I've also started like putting the mic like I hold the mic in my hand as I'm walking around the trade trade floor, so and I kind of like you know I make it obvious I'm carrying a mic, and people right. are like, "What's that?" And then I tell uh, them about the shtick, and right, that's sort of a natural flow to have a conversation. And like, I'm like, "Well, you're you want to talk about this? Can I record?" But like literally, I'm walking around with my iPhone XR. Like I don't even have I don't even have good a good camera on this, and I it film works. it. And I've got five clips at the end of the conference, mm -hmm. and I send that to an editor, and then so you know good. that's sort of it. 
you're already getting into the technical side, like in terms of equipment, you got your phone. Uh, what did you end up using for your mic? I'm curious. Like if people wanted to try this, like what was that mic that you you bought? Yeah, there's a couple different, um, you know, the style of microphone is called a lavalier mic or a lav mic. And those are the kind of mics that you would see people have clipped on their shirt. Um, and so you can get a wireless version or you can get a wired version. And so it kind of depends on what your budget is. The wireless ones are a little bit more expensive. Um, the brands don't matter, in my opinion. Like there's uh, if you just Google like wireless lav mic, just find the one that kind of makes the most sense for you. Some people buy like proper microphones that look like a yeah. microphone <laughs> or yeah. um, the one that I bought looks like a little Tic Tac. Hmm. It's a Tic Tac, um, like the, the pack that Tic Tacs come in. Like it's, a, it's, it's like an inch yeah. by half an inch sort of little rectangle thing. And that clips on your shirt and it allows you to, to record stuff wirelessly. And then it just plugs into your phone. Um, hmm. And so you can okay. just film or if you want to use a, fancy slr camera it's the same it's just an audio input so you can have great audio on a iphone the same audio would happen on a big dslr camera that's cool and then who was holding your your did you have a tripod for your phone or somebody one of your mutiny teammates was like walking around with you so you it looks like you're a celebrity because you, you got a camera guy i know walking around with you and you have a mic so <laughs> Totally. It, I've tried a couple different things. Um, going unprepared and just walking around with an iPhone is like the most grassroots, but sure. inevitably you'll need to find someone to hold the camera. <laughs> and so what I would do is I would go to someone's booth and we'd be chatting and I'd be like, oh, can you film or can we film a thing? I'm like, yeah, sure. And then I would have to turn and talk, talk and ask one of their colleagues like the people oh, who are on the booth. And I'm like, hey, can you film us? And then I'm taking them off the booth. So like, I learned that that's maybe not the best way because you're like essentially right. taking, you're occupying two people's time right? who are paying yeah. a lot of money to be at that conference and have their booth. And so, you know, that wasn't always the best move. At conferences where I have other people from Mutiny there, um, sometimes I say, hey, can you just come with me for five minutes and hold the camera? They're happy to do that. I think next time I'm going to bring my own little telescopic like mm. a, a little tiny tripod yeah. just so i can like have it in my pocket and it's like hey can we film great and i'll just like extend this little Smart. tripod and then you know just yeah. a little selfie cam a little selfie holder and have it stand on the floor um and film it um it is much more fun to have a film not a crew it doesn't need to be a right. crew <laughs> but um when we were at this one conference uh jk sparks who is head of marketing at audience plus he and I were sort of content buddies at that conference. Mm. And so we'd run around and I'd film him doing interviews and then he'd That's film so me cool. doing interviews. And right. so it's much more fun to do it in a pair. Um, same thing with uh, Nolan McCoy and, um, and Arthur Castillo from Chili Piper. I've gone to conferences with them and they've done a similar style where they have multiple, they have the two of them and they can kind of go back and forth. So you know, there's a, there's the cheap free way to do it. And then there's the more expensive way. Mm -hmm. And honestly, they, the outcome is the same, right? It's a matter of like, what is what works for me and what makes it more fun? Because at the end of the day, it's like, it, it should be fun. And it is fun. And content, I think is one of the more fun yes. marketing yeah. functions. Yeah. If not, maybe at the whole company, I think content is just so fun. Because it's public facing, like everything we do is seen by everyone, mm. you know, in, in the best world is seen by everyone. Realistically, 
anything we post is seen by like 5% of our audience. So like people don't care as much as we think they do, but everyone like people notice when we do stuff because it's out there. So like, you know, internal team is like, oh, cool. That was a great post or whatever. Externally, people are like, oh, this is cool. I'm going to check it out and become a customer. But then also like there's no right or wrong way to do content either. So you can do these experiments and try new stuff. And, you know, I'd, I, I was, I'm, I'm not a video guy by trade. Like I kind of came into content from the long form writing style, but I was like, I see an opportunity. I think I should buy this microphone. I think I, I need to figure out how to edit these. Oh, this is hard. Maybe I should hire someone. I figured out a format, you know, so there's a lot of learning opportunities and the outcome is something that's tangible and you can actually look at and click on and watch versus like, oh, I created a new dashboard that's seen by a couple people. You know, it's, it feels content. I'm really, I love this, this, this role because it, it is active. It's application of the things you're learning like right away. And then you you get feedback if it's working or not. I love, I totally love that. And you said something there that's interesting. You mentioned that, you know, people, you mentioned something earlier where you're like, you know, really marketing is about changing behavior or changing somebody's mindset. And you walking around with this like mutiny mascot, <laughs> people start attaching that to your personality. And when they're looking for something related to something mutiny can do, they're, you're top of mind for them, essentially. And that's what this, I mean, this might not be like the the deep goal. It's more so like let's something create something fun that is educational, but at the back of uh, on the back end, like it's like oh this is fun, this is cool, and we can actually use this product. So I think that's yeah. a really great. That's approach. why I think the combination of being interesting, whether you do that by being funny, or having you know a shtick, or having really clean editing, like there's a lot of ways to get people's attention that's not just being big and um going for that like wow factor or cringe like you know there's a lot of ways you get people's attention um emotionally but then once you have it that next step is like what are you going to do with it and i think it's you're always going to be better off presenting information and being educational versus just being a, a a hot take yeah with no substance That's or true. you know just judging things or just tearing stuff down i think it's useful to actually apply a little bit of that that that, that extra mile of like here's something that you can learn thank you for paying attention to this now you can move on mm, that's so good you also said something's interesting earlier around like part of this process is the editing editing part yeah, I'm curious what what uh, you you've done enough of this to know what probably good good looks like when you're about to post it. Is there mm-hmm. anything specific that you're looking for, like maybe quick takes or maybe emojis or like I'm not entirely sure. I'm curious what. Yeah, I mean I'm still experimenting and I don't have like LinkedIn has terrible analytics, so I have no <laughs> like yes. I have no not the same as YouTube where you can see like the the seconds that someone right. clicked away and you can see retention. LinkedIn is just you know rookie style analytics um it's really based on taste i think like Mm. you can you can look like anyone you want with the editing like if you just find an editor whether you you know find a cheap one or an expensive one or an agency if you just send them clips of 
YouTubers or TikTokers and say, I want it to look like this, right. they'll be able to replicate it very easily. So, you know, it's a dime a dozen. It's up to you to be like, I want it to look, I want to, I want to establish this look and feel and make it our own. And people might copy it, but as if you have substance and a, and a noticeable style, I think that's all you can do and just continue that style and keep it consistent for, you know, weeks and months and then change it if you want to evolve it a little bit. Um, I would say one of the biggest inspirations I've had for mm. how I want things edited. And th this isn't saying that people have, you know, crappy attention spans. I think that's, you know, that's up for grabs. Like yeah. that, that, that's, that's a, that's a null argument. It's like, who cares? Like yeah, we right. are who we are. But the thing I want to focus on is like, what are tried and true techniques that the entertainment and media industry mm. has done for years right. that you can apply to short form video, which just happens to be the format of the times, right? And so one format that isn't popular now, but has been popular at a time is music videos. Mm. And if you go watch a music video, go pay, go watch like your any any pop song or any rap song or any hip-hop song that was like popular a couple years ago go look at the music go watch a music video you'll notice that they there's a cut every one to three seconds mm. like it's fast it's not like it's staring at the at the at the the singer for 30 seconds and then cutting to some b-roll and then coming back to the singer like it's a it's a quick clip of the singer from close-up then it's a B-roll shot of some dancers. Then it's a wide shot of the of the band. And then it's an overview shot of the drummer. And then it's tight in on the lyricist again. And then it goes back to B-roll. And then it's like, you know, it, they just have so many camera angles and so much footage. And it, it's super quick. And that's what like, and then it syncs with the music. Like there's a lot you can learn there from just editing. And so, you know, a rule of thumb. And this is, you know, you can you can overdo it. Like some people, you'll watch their TikToks and it's like, it zooms in on their face and then there's an emoji and then there's B-roll and then it zooms out. And it's like, there's a lot of dopamine stuff going on there. And so I don't think that that's actually necessarily good taste. If you're just like throwing emojis just for the sake of like, Oh, you know, I saw a popular TikToker use a ton of emojis, you know, we're still representing a B2B brand. So we want there to be some type of like thoughtfulness and tastefulness. And so I think you can balance that where you're like, okay, I see the tactic they're using here. And I'm just going to apply our filter of good taste and, you know, style and try it in a different format. And so, yeah, I think the quick cuts make sense, but I, I, I roll my eyes and I lose trust when I see, you know, unnecessary, like, you know, use of emojis and editing just because that's, you know, what they thought they should do. Hmm. I really feel like what you're doing right now should inspire a lot of B2B marketers where you're taking a lot of inspiration outside of B2B. You looked at like those YouTubers, those TikTokers who are interviewing rich people. Now you're talking about music videos. Like, I really love this. I feel like for the longest time, even now, a lot of B2B uh, marketing is like, they look very similar and you're taking a really different approach to this. I think if there's a takeaway people who are listening right now go get inspired with something outside of your work and take that to your work and that's what you're doing really well here thanks man and i think it's you can you can apply this like in a smaller way 
Mm-hmm. It doesn't need to be starting a new whole content format. Like there is a there is a big lift and a and a a, a commitment that needs to happen if you're let's say starting video and your 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 company has no video um, resources yet. Like that's a big step. And so there's like ways of like tiptoeing in that I think is important for for people to try out. So let's say you've got already a ton of blog post content and you've got a huge deep library of that. I say the first step you should take is like, what's a proof of concept? Um, the same way a TV show doesn't get made just off of the description. And they're like, great, green light you for 10 seasons. Every TV show starts with a pilot, which is a one episode, for, you know, proof of concept to show the check writers, here's what this is going to look like. Because we're like we're talking about vi- audio and visual stuff, those don't translate well to words. You need to see it. You need to experience it. You need to get audience reaction. And so, before like going all in on a new series or a new direction, what you can do is you can repurpose your existing stuff, like like a blog post or a newsletter. And what I'd say the step would be is to then you know record yourself or whoever in your company sh- you're going to have as the face. And do it like super low budget, like use your iPhone, use your existing office setup. Like I don't even have anything on the wall compared to you. Like your office looks great. I, I don't even have good lighting. Um, do it low, low cost. Right. Try to get it as close to it as possible without spending too much money. Maybe you have to like edit it yourself the first couple of times just to try it out and see what's possible. And then, and then show that around to your company and like get buy-in on that episode, that pilot to be like, here's a new pilot I want to try. Is everyone okay with this? Um, versus trying to get buy-in from your CEO or your head of marketing with a concept. They're going to be like, I don't know. <laughs> they're gonna just, their immediate reactions, no, because they can't see it. Right. But if you go to them with a 30-second, two-minute-long video saying, here's a new series I'd like to launch. Here's the first episode. Can I have a couple thousand dollars to get the next 10 episodes done? You know, that's a much easier ask. Um, and so that's, that's what I'm doing. You know, that's what I did with the, with the raccoon mic at conferences. And I was like, you know, I, I originally did it with no microphone and just interviewing people with my iPhone. And it like was good enough that it was like, oh, this is cool. Yeah, Stu, go to the next conference and, you know, up the production quality a little bit. And so now it's like, it kind of snowballed a little bit, but I'm going to, I'm doing that. And as we speak with like repurposing written stuff and turning it into a video format. And so I'll keep you posted on that, but that's that's sort of just like the 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 stages of getting a pilot and a and a proof of concept done so that people are interested in you know committing to that new format that's so cool i really love what you're doing here is there a name to i'm not sure what what this would be called interview tiktok style interviews on events like well do you have a name for this new i don't know what this (laughs) is but if you had to give me a name what would you call it opportunity to coin something (laughs) Oh man, I didn't come prepared with a cool name. I mean, that, that that format has a name. It's like, I think it's Billy Eicher, who's like a comedian. Gotcha. I think he called it like Billy on the Street for a long time. Oh, like, right. He's for sure not the first person to make interviews with in right. the public on the That's street. True. But I think you know it's been turned into like Man on the Street. Man on the um, Street. So like, you know, so good. You know, 
on the street yeah. interviews. Um, on the street interviews, that's it. On the street, but I'm like, shadows. but I'm in conference hall. I'm in air conditioned conference but. centers. So uh, <laughs> you know, cool. I need to come up with a better name than than conference floor interviews or something like that. So uh, now they're fun, and it's just a cool way to meet people in real life. That was sort of you know another thing just to throw out there is like, you haven't gone to an in person event this year, you know. Get get out there. It's yeah. so much more fun than just doing LinkedIn. Like you, you need to meet people in real life. Like you and I haven't got to meet in real life yet. We've had a number of phone calls and chats. Um, but like when I finally bump into someone at a conference who I've LinkedIn or like, you know, chatted with or seen in the ether, you're just like, oh, you're a real person. You're cool. <laughs> let's go, let's go eat lunch together. You know, you just get so much more out of uh, relationships when you see them in person. So would highly recommend you. You get out there if you're if you if you're feeling like the the keyboard lifestyle is taking its toll on you. So good, I love that. Uh, I want to shift gears and talk about career power ups. Those are things that help you accelerate your career. Now you've been in marketing for some time. Now you you know in fast growing companies like Mutiny, you were also at Demand Curve before this. I'm curious. It could even be this: meet people face to face. What's something that's helped you accelerate? your career uh and once again it could it could be something like going to conferences or it could be something marketing or a hard skill related yeah i mean i'd say there's two things one is your skill set and then the other thing is your is your network and your and your your persona so i'll start with skill set you know you want to you want to the way I got into marketing was by brute force. Like I had no education in it. I had no background in it. Um, right before COVID started, I, I did, I started a podcast, um, with the thesis of all I want from this is to, you know, learn about this career path of marketing. Like I didn't even have a marketing job yet. I was just like, I think this is a direction that could be interesting. Um, I'm going to reach out to people who look interesting on LinkedIn, try and book a call, chat with them, ask dumb questions because I don't even know what marketing is yet. And, you know, the outcome I was going for was I want to be able to travel anywhere in the world and like have a network of people I could reach out to and say like, hey, can I get you dinner? And I'll, I'm in your I'm in your city. Can I get you dinner? That was kind of my thesis. And uh, that. Without me, you know, Planning it ended up being like the the best accelerant for that early mm. stage career as I as I possibly could have had for a couple of reasons. One, I was meeting people, and that's just important in in their job hunting. Like you know, throwing your resume into into the void doesn't feel like it works anymore, no, and so you kind of need to have conversations right. and connections and people who know who you are um, as your as your job hunting. The second one was I was actually learning about the roles within marketing because I, I didn't know that performance marketing existed. I didn't know that brand marketing was different than SEO. I didn't know that um, the, what demand gen meant. Like I didn't know that there were there were differentiations within the term of marketing. And so that opened my eyes. I'm like, oh, cool. OK, well, I'd, let's let's learn more about this performance thing. And so I'd start interviewing a whole bunch of paid media people and like learning about what ads and performance looks like. And then I'd interview a bunch of brand people and then a bunch of content people. I was like, oh, this content one's kind of cool. Like I didn't know that existed. Um, and it wasn't until like people who I was interviewing started saying, hey, can I hire you? And I'm like, what for? 
they're like, this, this is content. You're interviewing me and then you're posting it on your website and you're writing a newsletter. Like this is content marketing. And that was like, oh, I didn't know that existed. Um, so it was like able to allow me to like test a bunch of different career paths without actually going down them. Cause I got to ask them about like, what's your day to day look like? What, you know, what, how'd you get into this? Why is this interesting to you? What's the opportunity look like? Um, essentially I was like reverse. I was, re I did a reverse job interview where I was like asking them as like, do you like so your job? <laughs> and then from there I was like, okay, the content people seem like they're having the most fun. So let's go down that route. And then, you know, by having that body of work, you know, 20 or 30 episodes, um, it's still amateurish. Like I didn't spend any money on this. I edited it myself. I bought a $70 microphone that I'm still talking into today. And that allowed me to have a body of work. So when I was applying to jobs, I could just send a link. And so that was sort of the third part of that early stage career trajectory is when you're applying, the ability to send a link to someone that shows them, here's what I've done. That's so cool. Is yeah. infinitely more impressive than mm. a resume in yeah, you know right. a pdf format and so i would say that to like you know people getting really early stage is like build that body of work doing something so if you're interested in the brand side you know learn how to use figma or illustrator and like come up with some brand ideas you know show people how well you can use ai like figure out you know here's you know i made a campaign you know just make up these hypothetical fictitious marketing assets and build it and then show you'll learn how to do marketing by just doing marketing, which means like learning how to get a website set up, learning how to get an email thing set up, learning how to create content, learning how to run ads like those just happen by doing it. And then once you have that body of work, it's way more easy to get that first job. Um, and then so then, you know, once I had a job that was, you know, someone had to take a chance on me. But then once you have your foot in the door, then you get a way better understanding of like where to go. And so that ties into the second power up, which is like your network and your ability to connect with people. I still do this and you, you do this as well is, you know, reach out to people who are your peers. So, you know, people who are at the same level as you and just, just say like, Hey, I want to just chat about our jobs. Like I want to, I'll share with what we're doing. If, and, you know, I would love to hear how you're doing this and like just pure, purely connect with people just to, to have FaceTime with them. And then the second part of that is also connect to people who are like a year and a half to two years ahead of you in the direction that you're interested in and try and learn like what it takes for you to move into that next role or if that next role is even interesting to you and what their challenges are so that you can have a better understanding of what's worth paying attention to, what's worth focusing on and what stuff that you're actually pretty good at um, and you don't need to like like that's maybe the direction you should go because you're already good at it and you want to find stuff that feels like play to you, but looks like work to other people. Um, and so that, that was sort of where content came in for me, where it's like a lot of people are just like, Oh, it's hard to do content. And I'm like, yeah, it is. But like, right. what else would I do? Yeah. That's so good. I, I, I resonate so much with what you said about it's so much more powerful and effective when you can share something that you've created uh, to somebody and be like, hey, here's some of the stuff that I've done on the side. And like, imagine if I was working at your company, what I can do. And I feel like that's exactly what we talked about just earlier around all the stuff that you're experimenting with. 
uh, mm-hmm. and really like helping build out what you're what you're about to do next. Another way to do it too is um, I've had friends who, when he you know quit working as an in-house marketer and wanted to start up his own agency, he applied the exact same theory. He was like, I'm going to find a bunch of customers that I would love to work with, and I'm going to just go through their website and fill out forms and pretend I'm a customer Mm. and then document the experience and then follow up with them as like, hey, I just went through your entire onboarding flow. Here's a bunch of stuff that I would suggest changing or you can do better. Um, You know, I can do this for you. Let's let's chat. Worst case, they say no or ignore you. In which case, you've already documented a marketing case study mm. and you now have assets and you just put that on your website and you're like, here's what I would have done if I worked for so-and-so. And you know, that's how you can build up a, a body of work while applying to jobs or trying to get clients. And so, you know, it kind of works both ways. That's so good. I love that. Uh, one final question. If you can, so I asked this a few times, but like it, um, really like if you can send a message back to a younger version of you, a younger version of Stuart, uh, it could be any kind of advice. Once again, it could be you know, start the podcast sooner or say hello to more people. What would be an advice you'd give your younger uh, self who might be starting out in marketing and like really trying to figure out like what is next for, for that person? Yeah, I guess advice I'd give to my my younger self starting off, you know, looking, getting into the marketing industry and, you know, just trying to to find that, you know, it's what the first thing is, is, um, you know, pay attention to the things that you that you think are fun. And mm. I've kind of mentioned the word fun a few times. Um, pay attention to the things that you find yeah. to be fun mm. and like find ways of doing more of that in the current role you're in. So you might not be in the role that like makes the most sense, but if there's a part of that or you see someone in the company who's having a lot of fun, like find out how you can work with them and do the thing that they're doing as well as the thing you're doing. Um, I think that's sort of like an under, under underappreciated thing and that I'm learning too. Like I've, I've, I've had one in person in office job Um, and since then I've been fully remote. And so now what I'm learning is like remote's great for, you know, being wherever in the world you want to be, but you know, it's really bad at is like developing deep relationships with your colleagues and becoming known within your company as someone who's cross-functional and good Mm -hmm. to work with. And I've been, you know, told by a number of people that like, as you progress in your career, it's. Yes, it's about your skill, but like everyone who's five years into their career, you know, probably who's still around probably has, you know, within a couple of degrees, the same amount of skills as you um, or else you wouldn't be at that position. So the differentiator at that point is like, do people in the company want to work with you? Mm. Do you have you worked outside of the just your bubble of like, oh, I just do content It's like, no, have you ever? done a cross-functional project with someone in product? Do you talk to your customer success team? Does your, you know, does the CEO have any idea what you do on a day-to-day basis? Do you have any relationship with them? Like, these are the things that actually, like, helps you progress within a company, but also, you know, sets you up for the next thing uh, or the next company because you actually have a better grasp of, like, 
the landscape. Mm-hmm. And so that's something I'm trying to, you know, figure out. I'm, I'm by no means, you know, good at this yet. But what I want to, I would say to my younger self is like, don't be afraid to book time with your colleagues right. to have 15, 20 minutes to shoot the shit and like learn what they're working on and find way and like maybe bring a little bit of something that you've prepared for them that they can use. You know, there's like so many ways you can do it. And so it's about, yeah, having relationships internally and externally, but it's also just about like expanding your horizons and, and learning how a company works and what other people do in a day to day. I think that's, that's really lost in remote work. And so that's something Mm, I'm trying to work on as someone who's probably going to be remote for the foreseeable future is like, well, I want to have fun with other people, not just by myself. <laughs> and so, you know, and I repeated the word fun again there because it's, so like, it's going to be a long career. Yeah. Like we're going to be doing stuff for a long time. And if you're just typing away and then yeah. logging off and then, you know, it's that's no fun. So I want to I want to do stuff that is like equal parts fun and productive. That's that, I find that to be my zone of genius when I'm like feeling like I'm doing something productive and I have something tangible that I can finish with. And the process was fun. Like I don't get, mm. I don't get um, any type of joy or satisfaction out of the grind. Mm. Sorry, <laughs> big loud noise there. I don't get any satisfaction out of the grind. Mm. Like I can do stuff repeatedly and consistently if I find it to be fun and rewarding. But if that fun aspect's gone and it's just a bummer, <laughs> I'm I, I know myself and I know I'm going to give up right. way too early. Yeah. So there needs to be something in there that is like a trickle of fun, even if it's a crappy thing that I'm working on. I feel like there's such good insight here about like doing something you that you find fun, because if you find it fun, like people will other, especially the audience will find it fun, hopefully. But I think the opposite is even true. If you if you're doing something that you don't find fun, I think it's super obvious, especially if you're on video. But even when you're writing, like. This guy is not having fun. <laughs> and this this piece of content is obviously like created for, I don't know, SEO keywords. And there's like, there's no funness in this. And that's because of that. Like, I think it's not like great content, I feel like should should be fun. and Because uh, mm-hmm. fun, you know, we're not just educating people with our content. We're also entertaining them a huge piece of it. And funness mm-hmm. is super critical to our work. And I think that's going to be the differentiator as we start figuring out, you know, as, as AI really mm. takes over our industry yeah. is it's, it's great at, at regurgitating. Um, it's better than me at, you know, <laughs> I can't write a blog post in two seconds. <laughs> like it can. So, right. you know, the next version of AI is going to effectively replace my, the need for me to like be a, be a good writer. You know, I, I definitely recommend people still be good writers and like writing is, is awesome and it's a way of clarifying your thoughts. Um, I don't know how AI is going to impact, you know, written content, video content. Like I can hypothesize and I'm using it actively trying to be on the, in the know of how to use it and like, and, and be part of it. But I think the major differentiator is going to be like, it'll free up your time to be more fun and interesting and insightful than just the busy work of having your fingers on the keyboard mm. pounding it out. Like, sure. like if the work's done, yeah. What is the human what is the human's mm. work? The human's work is to make it relatable and interesting and topical and timely and funny and cool 
and tasteful, all these things are can be AI replicated. But at the end of the day, it's up to us to become like those curators of like, yes, I could go that direction. You know, it's the same number of keyboard clicks to go that direction, which is cheesy and loud and fake and weird. Or I can choose to go this direction, which is clean and tight and nice and fun. You know, like there's those are decisions that we get to make. And AI is helping us. AI, AI, AI will do whatever you want it to do. Yeah. And so it's still up to us of like, what are we willing to do? And so yeah. that's where it becomes like having fun and learning new stuff and being interesting and being interested is is like the differentiator, at least for now. Like this is my this is my hypothesis going into, you know, the first inning of what AI is going to do for our careers. So you know, good. talk to me in three months and I'll have probably <laughs> a very different perspective. But for right now, it's like yeah. learn how to use the tool and learn how to inject your style and taste into everything you create with AI and mm. build your own repertoire and your work body of work of like, this looks like a Stuart Hill House piece of content, whether it was AI or not. Like I want there to be my fingerprints all over it because I want to have that, you know, recognition. If you enjoyed this episode, you'd love the Marketing Power-Ups newsletter. I share the actionable takeaways and break down the frameworks of world-class marketers. Go to marketingpowerups.com to subscribe and you'll instantly unlock the three best frameworks that top marketers use to hit their KPIs consistently and wow their colleagues. I want to say thank you to you for listening and please like and follow Marketing Power-Ups on YouTube, Apple Podcasts, and Spotify. If you feel extra generous, kindly leave a review on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Leave a comment on YouTube. goes a long way in others finding out about Marketing Power-Ups. Thanks to Mary Sullivan for creating the artwork and design. And thank you to Faisal Kaigo for editing the intro video. And of course, thank you for listening. That's all for now. Have a powered update. Marketing power-ups until the next episode